Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, this morning, if you're new, we're in the end of a series on the book of Joshua that we've entitled New Normal. And the purpose is to learn lessons that would help us to experience the blessing of God on a regular basis in our life. As a pastor, my, my observation has been this, that a lot of people sporadically experience blessing in their life. They just don't experience it on a continual basis. And they assume somehow that that's just how God works. When the fact of the matter is that God wants us to enter the land of his blessing and his goodness. He wants to work in our life. You know, the the steadfast love of the Lord never fails. His mercies never come to an end. Lamentations 3, they are new every morning. Every morning, God's got new mercies. He's got new grace. He's got new blessing. The fact of the matter is the blessings of God are not arbitrary, they're not automatic. There are certain things that you and I can do that will position ourselves to experience God's work in our life in an extraordinary way. That's what this study is about. That's what new normal is about. Entering a new normal in our life where we experience the goodness of God, the work of God, the hand of God in our life in a whole new way. And this morning, as we come to this message, the title is Close the Gap. Close the Gap. I think it's safe to say that this one principle, maybe as much or more than any others, would have to do or would have bearing on the fact of what you and I experience from God. I want to talk to you about closing the gap. We're going to look at a man by the name of Caleb who was a man who closed the gap. He was a man who was wholehearted. He was a man who was full on for God. Miriam's dictionary defines wholehearted this way, to be completely and sincerely devoted, determined, enthusiastic, energetic. I want to ask you this, in your walk with God, are you completely and sincerely devoted, determined, enthusiastic, energetic? Were you glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord? Are you glad when it's time to to spend time with the Lord? Are you glad when you read his word and you say, oh God, you've made me glad. Are you, do you have the joy of the Lord because of the goodness of God in your life? It's what it's like to be wholehearted. Number two, marked by complete earnest commitment, free from all reserve and hesitation. In other words, you're saying, God, I'm not holding anything back. You have all of me, and all of me is all about all of you. I want to serve you with all of my heart. That's what it means to be wholehearted. Caleb was wholehearted. Caleb and Joshua two of the 12 original spies Moses sent to spy out the land. Now, 40 years later, here's Caleb, still full on, still wholehearted. In fact, six times in the Bible, it says this, he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Let's look at it. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. But because my servant Caleb 
has a different spirit. You know, I've read a lot of commentators and and a lot of them say, well, you know, different spirit means he was courageous. It means, you know, he was a, a glass half full kind of guy. He was optimistic. He was energetic. I don't think that's what it's talking about. I don't think it's talking about character qualities. It's talking about what was in him that was from God, not from himself. You remember in Numbers chapter 11 that Moses is feeling overwhelmed as he's leading the children of Israel. And as he's leading them, he says, God, I can't do it anymore. And God says, I'm going to take the spirit that's on you and I'm going to place it on 70 of the elders. Caleb would have been one of those elders. So the spirit of God comes on him and the spirit of God resides on him in a way I would suggest he did not on the others because of what Caleb did. Caleb valued the presence of the Lord on his life. Caleb pursued the presence of the Lord on his life. Caleb desired that he would be as close to God as he could possibly be. He had a different spirit. It was the spirit of God. It wasn't just natural ability. It was supernatural empowerment that Caleb had. You and I, if you know the Lord, the Spirit of God lives in you. The the job then of every Christian, the goal of every Christian is to be as close as we can possibly be to God. Watch this. He has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. In, In the Hebrew, that's a hunting term. It means to close the gap. It's used of a hunter who's pursuing his game. And so he's chasing the game. He's trying to close the gap till he finally gets what he's, what he's seeking. In other words, what it's saying is Caleb sought to close the gap. He pursued God. He went after God. He didn't want any distance between he and God. What does it mean to be wholehearted? It means you're saying, God, I want to be as close as I can possibly be to you. I don't want anything between you and me. I'm gonna pursue you with every ounce, every inch, every fiber of my being, all that is within me, pursuing all that you are. And when you do that, it makes a massive difference regarding what you experience of God's working in your life. Caleb has a different spirit. He follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. We're gonna see this later on, but I want you to notice something. How you and I serve God affects the people who follow us. It affects my family. It affects my kids. It affects my grandkids. If the Lord tarries, it'll affect my great-grandkids. In other words, when we talk about wholeheartedly following the Lord, there's an issue of legacy that's a part of it. It's you and I setting the table, not only for God to work in our life, but to work in the life of people around us and those who follow us. We read on another scripture, Numbers 32 and verse 8. This is what your fathers did when I sent them. So this is Moses talking. He's summarizing what had happened 40 years before the book of Joshua. I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to look over the land. After they went up to the valley of Eshcol and viewed the land, they discouraged the Israelites from entering the land and the Lord the land the Lord had given them. The Lord's anger was aroused that day and he swore this oath 
because they have not followed me wholeheartedly. Not one of the men, 20 years old or more, who came out of Egypt will see the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want you to watch something. There's a direct cause and effect here. Because they didn't pursue me. Because they didn't close the gap. Because they were careless in their walk with God. Because they didn't value God above everything else in their life. Listen, we're not talking about preachers. We're talking about regular people. Because sometimes people can hear what I'm saying and say, oh yeah, well, you're a preacher. Of course, you're going to say that. If I'm saying it for me, I'm saying it as an example for you. Here they are. If, if they had closed the gap, if they had pursued God, if they had said, I'm going to get as close to God as I can, things would have turned out different in their life. But they didn't. So none of them inherited God's blessing. Listen, when we talk about closing the gap with God, we are not talking about luxuries. We're talking about essentials. We're talking about how much you and I will know of God's blessing in our life. We're talking about how much our marriage will know of God's blessing, our family will know of God's blessing, uh, the place where we work will know of God's blessing, our neighborhood will know of God's blessing, our church will know of God's blessing. Not one except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, son of Nun, for they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. They closed the gap. They pursued God. They said, I'm going after God. I'm going to get as close to God as I can possibly get. I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to follow him with all that's within me. I want to be as close as I can get. And the result is they would know God's blessing in an exceptional way. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 35, not a man of this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your forefathers except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on. Why? Because he closed the gap, because he followed wholeheartedly, because he was full on for God, because he cared about God more than anything in his life. He gets the land and his descendants. Listen, it's never just about you and me. It's about the people around us. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed that, his ble that God's blessing might flow through me to people around me, to those I come in contact with. That's part of the blessing of being wholehearted is it touches not only your life, but it touches everybody around you. Wholehearted, full on, a person who closes the gap. Joshua chapter 14, I, however, this is Caleb now talking, I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. I closed the gap. I pursued God. I've been pursuing him all of my life. It's what I've done. It's who I am. It's how I live. It's the most important thing to me in my whole life. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. How far? Forever. It's amazing. 
What you and I do today in serving God, the way we love God, the way we live for God, has a ripple effect we can't begin to comprehend. It's the value of being wholehearted. It's the value of closing the gap. Because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly, you've closed the gap. Verse 14, so Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite ever since. Why? Because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. There it's, it's worded in a way where it's, he followed, followed, fully, fully. He closed the gap, he closed the gap. It's repeated for emphasis. He did it with every ounce of his being. He loved God, he closed the gap. Yeah. And because of that, God blessed him. There are incredible blessings that follow the person who closes the gap between they and God, who pursues God with all that's within them, who's wholehearted. Someone asked at the outset of this message, are you wholeheartedly serving the Lord? Are you closing the gap? Are you living sensitively to the Lord? Are you saying, oh God, I I don't want to grieve your spirit. I don't want to quench your spirit. I don't want to do anything that's going to put any distance between you and me. In fact, I'm going to do everything I can to close the gap. I want to be as close to you as I can possibly be. I suppose one of the ways that we can evaluate wholeheartedness is to look at the antithesis and essentially to ask ourselves, what does it look like when somebody's half-hearted? Because the opposite of wholehearted is not no-hearted, it's half-hearted. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus said in Revelation 3, don't have time to look at it, he said to the church at Laodicea, how I wish you were hot or cold. But because you're neither, because you're lukewarm, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. The problem with being half-hearted, the advantage of being cold is simply, you know you're not anywhere near God. Consequently, you're not fooling yourself that you're okay with God. The problem with being lukewarm, the problem with being half-hearted is there's just enough devotion to deceive you into thinking you're okay. There's just enough of a walk with God to cause you to think, to become philosophical about the absence of blessing in your life. Well, you know, God doesn't do that for everybody. Well, you know that. (laughs) And so you rationalize your disobedience. You rationalize your subpar devotion, you rationalize the level of your life and the lack of blessing, and you try to explain it away because you're half-hearted. Let me give you four signs of the half-hearted that can help us all just evaluate, give thought to where we're at. Number one, when you're half-hearted, you're more concerned with what other people think than you are with what God thinks. You're all caught up in what the crowd thinks. Do they like me? Do they respect me? Do they agree with me? Do they like the music I listen to? Do they think I'm cool? 
Do you like my hair? Do you like my hair? No. <laughs> we can become so obsessed with what other people think that we forget that is very secondary to what God thinks. Number two, when you're half-hearted, you rationalize sin rather than fear God. It's not lust, it's a look. It's not sin, it's a mistake, and everybody makes mistakes, nobody's perfect. And it's true, nobody's perfect. But when that becomes the manner in which we justify our actions that have been sinful, something's wrong. The answer when we sin is not nobody's perfect. The answer is, God forgive me, and who do I need to make it right with? But the half-hearted excuse themselves from those kinds of situations. Number three, when you're half-hearted, you have a weak faith. You wish you could believe God for big things, it's just you can't. You can't really muster, I mean, big, big things happen in your life, but you don't have big faith because you're half-hearted. And you're trying to manufacture something that you desperately need in that moment, but doesn't come because you're half-hearted. James chapter one and verse six says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. They're half-hearted. This is the problem with half-hearted commitment and devotion to the Lord. It leaves you wanting in the moment of your day of trial. Number four, when you're half-hearted, you find yourself looking at people who are walking in God's blessing and wondering, why them and not me? Or even worse, you resent the fact that they are experiencing what you're not. It's as if spiritually you're on the outside looking in, you're like, I don't know why God does that. Well, you know, and, and either you think they're cheating or you think something's wrong or you think something, but it's, it's like, why them and not me? Here's, here's the problem. The half-hearted forfeit much of God's blessing. So in the next few moments, what I wanna do as I want to talk to you about the advantages of closing the gap, of being wholehearted. I'm going to give you three advantages. Number one, being wholehearted or closing the gap benefits our family. Look at it in Joshua chapter 14 and verse 14. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite. I want to point out two things here. First of all, the name Caleb means dog. And this is not like, yo, dog, what's up? It's not that. You can tell by the way I said it, I don't say it much. That's not what's going on there. That's his dad being cruel. It's his dad being unkind. This is worse than a boy named Sue. This is a dad using a pejorative term, an unkind term, 
an awful term. Some of you know exactly what that's like. You had a father who said unkind things to you, said unkind things about you, said hurtful things, maybe didn't talk to you at all, maybe abandoned you, but now all of a sudden what happens is you spend the rest of your life working through the deficiencies and in fact at times the sinfulness of a parent and it's very hard for you to look to God as a father because of your earthly father. What happens here with Caleb, and what I, what I want to suggest to you is that when a person closes the gap with God, it brings a healing in our life that nothing else will. It, I, I'm, I'm not saying that there's not opportunity for other helps, but I'm just suggesting to you that when I close the gap with God, I begin to define Father different. I define it by who He is, not who my Father was. I define it by what He does, not what my Father did. I define it by by what he says, not what my father said. You see, when I close the gap and I get close to God, it gives me a whole different definition in view of father. That's Caleb. He keeps the name. It no longer bothers him what was said about him, what was, what was done to him. It's not an issue anymore. In fact, he almost, if you will, scholars think, redefines the name, and eventually Caleb comes to be seen as somebody who's wholehearted. If you look it up now, that's what most places will say, but originally in the Hebrew it meant dog. You can redefine your identity. You can redefine that name. You can redefine who you are when you draw close to God. That's the power of closing the gap. Let me show you something else. He's called Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite. The Kenizzites were pagans. The Kenizzites lived in the land. Genesis chapter 15, end of the chapter, you'll see them listed among some of the, the peoples who lived in Canaan. They were a pagan group, and many scholars believe that Esau, the grandson of Abraham, son of Isaac, brother of Jacob, that Esau married in to the Kenizzites, and ultimately they became the Edomites. If you study Esau, he marries a, a temple prostitute priestess and moves into Edom and becomes a part of that land and becomes a chief. His kids become chiefs of that area. Caleb is from that whole group. But here is a guy who is, though he's not Jewish, though he doesn't come from, from anything Jewish, now he is not only in the nation of Israel, but now he is a prince in Judah. He is the leader of the tribe of Judah. How does that happen? Here's how it happens. When you close the gap, God takes a nobody from nowheresville and makes them a person of influence. It's amazing. Listen, it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. If you give yourself fully to the Lord, he will set his hand on you. He will change your identity and your opportunity because God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he'll do for another. Caleb. This man named Dog, this man who's an outsider, becomes an insider, becomes a leader, becomes one of the most notable men in all of the Bible. Why? Because he closed the gap. 
What does that tell us about what God wants to do in your life? You see, here's the thing the devil wants to do with everybody in this room. He wants you to think that you are insignificant relative to God. Here's the way it plays. So you got a need, and all of a sudden you're thinking, well, he'd probably do that for Pastor and Debbie because Pastor and Debbie. You know what you're saying? I don't matter as much to God as they do. Where did that come from? From the pit of hell. You are incredibly valuable to God. Before he formed you, he knew you. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he ordained in advance for you to do. The devil wants you to think God doesn't care, God doesn't see, God doesn't know, and God won't help because you don't matter to God. And God wants you to know he loves you more than you can imagine and he delights to show himself powerful to you. And when you get a hold of that, when you become a wholehearted follower of Christ, you begin to realize your significance to God, which instantly begins to become a catalyst for believing God for big things in your life. For some of you today, honestly, the biggest hurdle to seeing God do something big in your life is to believe God thinks you're big to him. You just don't think you matter to God. So it's really hard to have faith that he'd do something big in your life. But if you knew how much he loved you, if you knew how much he cared for you, if you, if you knew as you're watching online, he sees you right where you're at and cares for you like you can't begin to imagine. If you knew down in Joplin what he thinks of you, oh my goodness, your faith would go up 10 notches. Being wholehearted affects our family. It affects our faith. Listen, faith does not come automatically. Doubt and fear do. You don't have to try to be filled with doubt. It will just happen. You don't have to try to be afraid. It will just take place. Faith, on the other hand, is cultivated. How is it cultivated? I would suggest more than any other way it's cultivated by getting close to God, by closing the gap. The, the closer you are to God, the easier it will be for you to believe for his power to work in your life. Because the closer you are to God, the more you'll know about God, the more you'll see God, the more you'll be with God, the more all, all, the, all the mores relative to God begin to happen when you're close to God. Look at it, 45 years before in Numbers chapter 14, but my servant Caleb, because he is a different spirit, has followed me fully. He's pursued me. And what happens is, as he's pursuing God, it builds his faith. Here's something everybody ought to give a lot of thought to. Don't wait to build your faith till you need your faith. You can't build the kind of faith that moves a mountain in a minute. You can't, you can't position yourself. Will God at times be gracious? Yes. Will God at times bring other people who can help you believe for what you could never believe for? Yes. But better to build your faith before you need your faith. Pursue God today. Walk close to God today. Live for God today. Close the gap today. When Moses sent the 12 spies into the land, there was Joshua, Caleb, and 10 others. Their job was to go in and to get intel on the land, map out the land, those kind of things. 
Their job wasn't to determine whether or not the Israelites could conquer the land. That had already been decided by God. Look at it in Numbers 13. They gave Moses this account. So the the 12 spies come back. Here's what they say. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. These are the giants, the Nephilim. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Here's a man who didn't get faith in God in that moment. His faith in God had already been built long before. And so all of a sudden, it gives him not only a confidence in God, it gives him a certainty regarding the promises of God. He's totally certain. He had seen what the 10 spies had seen. He had seen the walls. He had seen the giants. But Caleb saw more than just his physical eyes, what they could see. He saw his spiritual eyes. Listen, we walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Life is more, we've we've already seen this in, in the book of Joshua. Faith will determine what you see and how you see it. But if you don't have faith, it's going to be impossible to see things like God does. This is the value of being wholehearted, of closing the gap. It will change your eyesight. It will change your vision. It will change what you see. It will change how you see it. It will change what you think. It will change what you think is possible. It will change how you talk. Everything changes when you're close to God. How you talk, how you see, how you hear, what you do, it all changes when you close the gap. Look at it in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 9. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. How does he know that? Because when you're close to God, you know where God's at. You see, the closer you and I get to God, the more sensitive we are to his presence. When somebody is half-hearted, they only can perceive God's presence in certain ways. I mean, that's been my experience in talking with people. They know certain ways of discerning the presence of the Lord. The closer you get to God, the more you're aware of the variety of ways in which God reveals himself. And because Caleb is very close to God and he's closed the gap, guess what? He knows right where God is. God's right beside him. He knows what God wants. He's wholeheartedly walked with God. Now, 45 years later, watch this. I was 40 years old, Joshua chapter 14, verse 7. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. You see, when your heart is filled with faith and when you're close to God, it will, you will be convinced of certain things no one else is. You say, how does that work? 
Hebrews 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith gives us convictions nobody else has. Isn't that exciting? But if you're not wholehearted and you haven't closed the gap, you're not going to have convictions because you don't have the faith that would give you those. He said, I did it according to my convictions, but my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. I closed the gap. I pursued God. I said when they started speaking that stuff, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm close to God. I know what God says. I know what God does. I know what God has shown me. I know what I've heard from God. I know what I feel in terms of his presence. I believe God. I'm wholehearted. So on that day, Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. Because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Would you notice the cause and effect? Because he was wholehearted, he gets the land. Because he closed the... Listen, this, the blessing of God is not accidental. It's not incidental. It's not automatic. Because. Because. Because you're wholehearted, because you say, I'm going to close the gap, because you say, listen, I'm going to take it up a notch. Man, I'm going to be like Caleb. He's he's giving me an example that I'm going to, and he's not the only one in the Bible. Because, 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 listen, can I just say this whole idea of wholehearted is echoed again in the New Testament by none other than Jesus? When he was asked what's the greatest commandment, what did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love him spiritually. Love him emotionally. Love him mentally and intellectually. Love him physically. Let every part of your being love God. Close the gap. And when you do, because you do, certain things are going to happen. And it's going to result in an inheritance for you and for people around you. Watch. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive for 45 years since that time. He said to Moses, said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me on that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites, the giants were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I'll drive them out just as he said. Do you know what? The Anakites, do you remember who they are? If you were with us back in the fall when we did a a deal on on, um, the Nephilim and on angels and demons, we talked about a season in the history of the world when when demonic beings came and cohabitated with women and they produced quasi demonic giants, the heroes of renown, the heroes of old. I think a lot of Greek mythology, personally, it's my opinion, comes out of some of those, the recounting of those stories. So he's saying, I don't care if there are demonic giants. In fact, you know what he's asking for? He's saying, give me the hardest thing. Come on, just give it to me. Come come on. I know I can do it because God's going to help me. I've got faith. I believe God's with me. I'm as close to God as I can possibly be, and God's going to be close to me. He's going to help me and go before me. Let me show you this in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 33. And there we saw, this is what the spies said. 
the Nephilim. You can cross-reference that with Genesis 6, think around verse 4, the sons of Anak who came from the Nephilim. So these are, are demonic giant beings and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. We look very small to them, and they thought, yep, you're right, you are very tiny people. <laughs> Caleb's not afraid of demonic giants because he's closed the gap. Listen, if he tries to close the gap at this point in his life, it's going to be very hard to have the faith to fight the demonic in his life but he closed the gap a long time ago. Close the gap. Build your faith now. Build your faith before you need it. Build your faith and watch God bless you. Close the gap. Number three, being wholehearted blesses our future. I love this, Joshua 14 and verse 13, then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since. It's very interesting how it repeats this over and over. The guy who was called a dog, the guy who's from a pagan background, the guy you wouldn't think God would ever do anything for, that guy has Hebron because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Because, because. Close the gap in your walk with God and watch what happens as a result. Watch what God will do that he hadn't been doing in your life. Watch the way God will begin working. Watch the way God will begin working in the people around you because when you're living under the blessing of the Lord, that blessing is going to spill off you. It's going to splash onto other people. You're going to leave a trail wherever you go of a sense of God's goodness and his blessing. And when you, when you are wholehearted, it affects your future. Joshua chapter 15 in accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, a portion in Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the forefather of Anak. Now watch this. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites. Now, I love David, and David was a young man, and he just had a slingshot. David took down one of the descendants of Anak a guy named Ga uh, Goliath from Gath. Caleb took down three. Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, descendants of Anak. I mean, here's a guy, and I mean, he's, he's going in and he's taking on three demonic giants and they're gone. Do you know what's interesting? If you want to see the difference, because sometimes people think, oh, you know, it just happens, or, mm, you know. People say all kinds of crazy things when they're not walking by faith. Yeah. People who walk by faith don't say nearly as many crazy things as people who aren't walking by faith. Because <laughs> people who aren't walking by faith are always justifying why God's not doing things in their life, which is really crazy. <laughs> they, say, they say, well, it's just not, it's not obeying God's will. Crazy. <laughs> On earth as it is in heaven. That's God's will. I mean, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray that way. 
But people that aren't walking by faith, they're, they're explaining all the reason why, all the time why things aren't happening in their own life and in other people's lives. And you're like, say what? Here he is, he's defeating these giants. And then you go to the book of Judges, and I don't have time to read Caleb's story again, but it's repeated for us in the book of Judges. It's repeated, and, and here's what's crazy about it. Caleb not only has enough land for himself, but he has enough land that his daughter comes to him, and she says, hey, Daddy, um, I know you gave me a wedding present of some ground, but I'd really like two streams of water, um, you know, not just one, but two, and that would be super valuable. And Caleb's like, oh, yeah, sure, anything for you, baby girl. And, I mean, he gives it to her. Why? Because he has so much he can. But now watch what happens in Judges, right after that passage. But Manasseh, this is the tribe in Israel, did not drive out the people of Bashan and at least the people they didn't. And then another tribe, nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites. Neither did Zebulun drive out the Canaanites. And you know what, in the book of Joshua, some of these same tribes, they come to Joshua and they're like, you know, we need more land because, and Joshua said, I already gave you, the, already gave you this land. Yeah, but they've got iron chariots and what do you do? We can't defeat an iron chariot. And Joshua's like, okay, take more land up in the mountains where you can hide. I mean, that's really what happens. They're having to work around their inability to win a victory. Why? Because they didn't close the gap. So this is what happens to, to God's people all the time. When you don't close the gap, when, you, when, you're, when you're just kind of going through the motions, then you have to work around the absence of victory in your life. That's a hard way to live. It's very frustrating, it's very tiring when victory's not a part of your life. I mean, neither did Zebulun drive out the Canaanites, nor did Asher drive out those living in Akko or Sidon, neither did Naphtali drive out those living in Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath. The Amorites confined the Danites to the hill country, not allowing them to come down into the plain. They're like, tribe of Dan, stay up there, ha ha. Listen, your future and your future victories will in a large part be determined by one thing. Did you close the gap? Are you wholehearted? It's what decides so much in life. Moses told Caleb that he would have an inheritance that few others would have. Why? Because he closed the gap. And what's so sad is that there are some Christians who will experience blessing only periodically, and they'll always see some God working in somebody else's life, but by and large, and here's what's tragic, is when people hang around the people of God long enough to theologize their absence of victory. Not God's will. Not God's will. Well, if God wants it, it'll happen. Maybe, maybe not. It's not true. When you're wholehearted, the record, because he was wholehearted, because they weren't wholehearted, because, because, because. When you close the gap, it makes a difference. So I wanna ask you to ask yourself a question. Are you totally committed to God? Are you closing the gap? 
I'm not asking about perfection. I'm asking about direction. What is it that motivates you? What is it that drives you? What is it that you really want in life? Do you want to be as close to God as you can possibly get? David said, one thing I ask, this is what I will seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord, that I might have the presence of the Lord on my life, that I might seek his face, to gaze upon his beauty, inquire in his temple. Later it says, my heart has heard you say, seek my face. Your face, O Lord, will I seek. Listen, I'm just, I'm just advocating for you a lifestyle of closing the gap with God, of living wholehearted for Him. God will do things in the wholehearted person's life that He will not do in, in the average Christian's life. It's just true. Part of the reason, let me tell you part of the reason why he does. Because he wants people to see the value. He does it so people will see the blessing of God on your life and be like, what? Really? Get out of town. Why why can't I have that? How can I have that? And then they'll decide to live wholeheartedly. I've told this story before, but it's just just true. It it changed my life. I, I was at Central Bible College back in the glory days, when it was still around. Um, but I was there and I was with my roommate and he, he hadn't been my roommate very long. And, and as I'm watching his life, I'm like, this is crazy. His life just knows the blessing of the Lord in an unusual way. So I'm watching him and it's, you say, well, what does that look like? It's just, man, there's just a favor of God on his life. There's just a favor. I'm not saying he never had a problem. I'm just saying even in problems, there was a favor. You just watch and you could see the hand of God on him. And I remember one day going into the dorm chapel and praying and saying, God, you know, I don't understand why you're doing things in his life that I don't see you doing in my life. And I remember the Lord speaking to my heart as clear as can be. John, I'll do for you what I do for him. When you do for me what he does for me. When you serve me like he does, then I'll bless you like I blessed him because I am no respecter of persons. And in that moment, I can remember, I was like, game on. (laughs) Game on. I began to ask him questions. How, I mean, I was just like, hey, I'm, I'm all over this. I am going to do this because I want to close the gap. And this principle is all over scripture. So let's not confine it to Caleb. Second Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed. God's like, where is that man? Where is that woman? Where is that person who loves me more than most? Where's that person who's closing the gap? Where's that person who's wholehearted? Oh, there she is. I'm going to help her. There he is. I'm going to help him. I'm going to strengthen him. He, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I'm going to show myself powerful in their life because I just love to do that. Isaiah says the Lord longs to be gracious. Isaiah 38, he rises to show compassion. He can't wait to show his goodness in your life. But he's looking, 
You say today, you say today, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna close the gap. God's gonna say, hey, I love that. I'm gonna show them what happens when they do. Because they did, I'm gonna do things they wouldn't have seen otherwise. It's just how it works. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13, if you look for me, this is the Lord speaking, wholeheartedly, you're closing the gap, you'll find me, I'll be found by you. God will say, hey, I'm over here. I'm right here. He'll show you his power, he'll show you his glory, he'll show you his person. If you close the gap, one last scripture, 2 Chronicles 31, 21. Hezekiah, king of Judah, one of the great kings of Judah, sought his God wholeheartedly, closed the gap. As a result, there it is, as a result, he was very successful, very successful. I know some of you are so spiritual, you don't care about that success stuff. <laughs> but for the rest of us, that's good news. Wholeheartedly as a result. Wholeheartedly as a result. Wholeheartedly because of that. There's a tremendous blessing in being wholehearted. And can I just tell you, there's very little blessing at all in being lukewarm or half-hearted. In fact, there's just the opposite. May the Lord help us to live a life that closes the gap, a life of wholehearted devotion to Him. Amen?